Amen. Turn to Malachi, Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 12 is our text, Malachi 3, 7 through 12. If you're there, say amen. Again, Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. And we began this new series on stewardship two Sundays ago that I am calling It's All His. Say, It's All His. Now, now the focus of last Sunday's message and today's message is on our treasures. Say treasures. Speaking of giving and, and money and tithes. And last Sunday's message was part 2A and today's message is part 2B because there's so much on the subject of giving. And so before we get into today's message, I want to give you once again the definition of stewardship and then do a, a quick recap from last Sunday's message. And by the way, if you missed last Sunday, listen to the message on our church app or, or get a CD. So the definition of stewardship, we should know this right, the practice of managing properly all that God has entrusted to me. Let's say it together. The practice of managing properly all that God has entrusted to me. And I want you to write this down. I gave this verse to you last week, 1 Corinthians 4, 2 where it says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust, a trust, a trust must prove faithful. And the word trust there in that text encompasses all the resources, abilities, and opportunities given to us by God and that we manage those resources and abilities and opportunities in a way that is spiritually wise and also profitable. I gave you four points last week, and I want to, again, do a brief recap from that. The first one was the supreme giver. Say that. It's there on your outline, the supreme giver. And we focus on John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, that's the greatest love, that he gave his one only begotten son, that's the greatest gift, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the greatest hope. And it starts with God. Say God. God loved the world that he what? He gave. And God, he saw that there was a, a need and he made provision for that need. He gave out of his love. He, he gave his son. He didn't keep his son to himself. Could have, right? But he didn't. He gave all he had for you and I, for, for us. Now, now, since giving is at the center of who God is, because giving is inerrant in his character, uh, when we give, we, listen now, identify, say identify, we identify with him and reflect his likeness. In other words, friends, we are more like him when we give. The second point was the, the importance of giving. Remember that? The importance of giving. And the word heaven is mentioned 582 times in the Bible. The word hell is mentioned 54 times in the Bible. The word pray is mentioned over 500 times. In the Bible, the word faith or its variations is used 246 times in the Bible. The word hope is used 185 times in the Bible. And the word love is used 733 times in the Bible. Now remember this. Get this now, okay? The word give or giving, you might remember this, right, is mentioned or used 2,285 times in the Bible. 2,285 times in the Bible. 
Jesus spoke more about giving than any other subject. That's how, listen now, that's how important giving is. The supreme giver, the importance of giving. And the third point of last week's message was giving of self to God. Everyone say that, giving of self to God. And one of the first and foremost essentials in giving is giving of self to God. And if one gives oneself to God, then it follows that everything one has belongs to God. Now listen, as long as you consider your life your own, as long as you consider it your own, there can be no real Christian stewardship. There can be no real understanding of the importance of giving. And then the fourth point of last week's message was the misperceptions about giving. And the first one was the church just wants my money. Now, there is some truth to that in some churches, but not here at Crowd Christian Fellowship. Can I get an amen? Listen, your tithes go to pay the bills here at Cry Out Christian Fellowship, the facility and the staff salaries and so on and so on. The bottom line is your tithe is used to help make a difference, a difference for eternity in the lives of people here in our community and throughout the world. So the the first misperception is the church just wants my money. The second one was tithing is Old Testament. Well, Jesus spoke about tithing in Matthew 23, 23. In fact, if you study the New Testament concept about giving, you'll discover that it's based on a much more generous giving than just a tithe. So if you want to throw out the Old Testament and just go with the New Testament, be my guest. I'll, I'll cheer you on. Okay? And the third misperception was I can tithe my time and talents instead of my money. I can tithe my time and talents instead of my money. And the truth is nothing in Scripture supports that idea. Tithing my time and tithing my talents is not scriptural. In the Bible, tithing speaks only of money. If you got it, say got it. And then I suggested three ways to help you get started in the blessing of blessings of tithing. And you might, right there, it's on, on your outline, adopt the mindset that God owns my money. Adopt the mindset that God owns my money. You're not the owner of your money. God is. He owns it all. Say he owns it all. And then start tithing today. Start tithing today. Put God first with your money by giving back to him even before you pay other bills. Now remember this, okay? Tithing is not an issue of your finances. It's an issue of your faith. <coughs> of your faith. Do I trust God with my finances, okay? And when you're tithing, you're saying this, I'm trusting you, God, to take care of me, to, to provide for me like you promised you would. And when you trust him, he works. And why is it that we trust him with our salvation, but we don't trust him with our finances. Huh? And then learn more about handling God's money in ways that honor Him and bring blessings to me. We're going to see that in today's message. The title of my message today, as was last Sunday, is A Call to Giving. Everyone say that nice and loud. A call to giving. Listen, God is interested in your money. He's very interested in your money, not because He needs your money. Because okay, we know that it's not your money anyways. It's his. Say, it's his. 
And you see, God is interested, I want you to get this, God is interested in how you secure it, how you spend it, how you save it, and how you share it. I'm going to say it again, okay? He's interested in how you secure it, how you spend it, how you save it, and how you share it. And you know, friends, when, when I hear Christians say they don't want to hear their pastor preach about money, rather preach about something spiritual, that kind of statement shows a lack of biblical knowledge and a lack of spiritual insight. To say you don't like it when your pastor preaches about money is to say you won't like it when he preaches about Jesus. Because when Jesus walked this earth, he gave 36 parables, and 16 of them had to do with our attitude toward money. One out of every 10 verses in the New Testament deals with our attitudes toward money. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Nothing is more spiritual than how you handle your money. And the supreme, listen now, it is the supreme test of where your heart is. Now, now Matthew 6, 21, I gave this to you last week. Write it down if you want to. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The great, late pastor, Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite pastors, said, a faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. So, so God is very, very interested in your money. But I want to tell you who else is interested in your money. It's Satan. And it's Satan, his desire to keep you under a curse in bondage. And the best way he can do that is to affect, listen now, your attitude toward money in a negative way. He wants to keep you and I from, listen now, investing in the kingdom of God. So today, what I want to do is I want to show you four essential things from Malachi about tithing and then give you seven principles for financial freedom. Is that okay? Okay, so let's look at, look at our text, verse 7 of Malachi 3. Ever since the time of your forefathers or, or, or ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Who says that? I'm going to stop there. Now, God had all the right, all the right to destroy these rebellious Jews, but he had covenanted with them, and his desire was that they would repent. And what he does, he makes a gracious invitation for them to repent because he doesn't desire to cast them off. Listen, no, no matter how severe their sin or the duration of the rebellion, God is willing, say willing, God is willing, listen now, to receive them if they repent. Notice they're invited to repent, but only God can turn them to himself. Look at the text. Return to me and I will return to you, God says. And that being said, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps you have turned away from God. Perhaps you have strayed away from God and you're thinking that he's, he's so far from you that, that he could never, never come back, that you could never, never come, go back to him. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is not far away from you. Can I get an amen? 
You just need to call on him. And return to him and turn around and okay and turn turn around and you'll find that he's there. Saying that, I'm reminded in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, when the prodigal son realized that he had messed up royally. And then he had come to his what? He had come to his senses and needed to go back home, okay? And and he, he didn't have to travel that that far. And it says there in, in Luke 15, 20, he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, I love this, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, love that, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And you know the rest of the story, right? The rest of the story, he, he clothed him in a robe, put a ring on his finger, Sandals on his feet, they, they killed a fattened calf, and they, they cooked it, and they had a feast, and celebrated. Why did they celebrate? Because he was lost, but now he is what? Found. And my point is this. The door to blessing starts when we turn back to God. Listen, when, when we turn back to God, even if it's just a small step, God promises to meet us. James 4.8, you guys know this, right? Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Jeremiah 3.22, return faithless people, I will cure you of backsliding. So God's telling them to return back to him. Let's read on. But you ask, how are we to return? Now, have you studied the book of Malachi? This is the sixth time in the book where they have responded like this. How are we to return? And they were so blinded by their self-righteousness that they couldn't even see their spiritual condition. And they saw no sin in themselves that needed to be repented of because they thought themselves pure in their own eyes. Well, What God does, God lifts the veil off of their eyes and shows them their sin. And shows them their sin. Get this now. Got to get this. Shows them their sin by taking them to the issue of giving. Four points. If you're ready, say yes. Here we go. Remember the importance of giving. Say that. Remember the importance of giving. So they challenged God's statement, right? We see that. And I'm not sure if they're going to like God's answer. Because he's going to connect. Got to get this. He's going to connect repentance with their wallet. Now, now God's not saying, God's not saying you have to give some money if you want to get right with him. He's not saying that. Okay, this is not about buying God's favor. It's about addressing the sin and the importance of giving. Okay, look at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? Well, in tithes and offerings. So the question is raised by God to counter their question in the previous verse. How are we to return? Well, God says, stop robbing me. Stop robbing me of the monies that rightfully belong to me, God says. And you see, they forgot. They forgot the importance of giving, and they had lost sight of the fact that God owns everything. 
They should remember Deuteronomy, excuse me, Deuteronomy 10, 14, where it says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. So look at the text again. In tithes and offerings. Say tithes. Say, say offerings. Okay, because they're both different. They're different. A tithe is a tenth. Ten percent of my income, 10% of your income should go to the general fund. Got it? That's a tithe. It goes to the general fund. An offering, say offering, is above and beyond the tithe. Okay? Offering is for missions, special projects, OCC, craft ministries, uh, for harvest night. Uh, for Pastor Arnold's McDonald's Diet Coke and Peach Pie Fund. Okay? All right? That's an offering. Got it? Okay? You, you, don't, you, don't, this is now, you don't use your tithe for offering. It's a tithe. 10% that goes to the ongoing expenses of the church. If you got it, say got it. Now, I need to say this. It's important to remember that the tithe isn't really, isn't really a gift from you because it actually already belongs to God. It's kind of like this. If I loan my car to you and, and we both agree uh, it's just for one day and you return it at the end of the day, it's not like, listen, it's not like you know, you're giving me something, something okay, that I wasn't expecting, Right? Okay, okay, so, so you're, you're returning my car to me, got it, okay, yet, listen now, if you never return my car, then you're, re then you're robbing me. That's the point. Now, their failure to tithe properly could have included not giving at all, or included withholding part of it, or not giving at the proper time. Well, whatever the reason or the case, the whole nation, the whole nation was under a curse. Prove it, verse 9. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Their stingy hearts proved that their hearts were far from God. And thus the whole nation was affected. The whole nation was cheating God. And sadly, lack of personal integrity and honesty had become an accepted way of life in Israel. Listen, church, failing to give was not a sin against Israel. It was not a sin against man. It was not a sin against the spiritual leaders. It was a sin against God. God. If you're safe, say amen. When we as believers, as Christians, when we grumble and gripe about giving to God, when we withhold what is His, we are robbing Him. It is sin against God. Verse 10a, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be, what, food in my house. Say storehouse. Now the storehouse was a chamber in the temple where the tithes and the offerings were kept for the upkeep, say the upkeep of the temple and also to, to provide for the priest. And here God's people failed to give their tithes. So in order for the priests to survive, they had to get jobs outside of the temple 
and work in the fields, this causing the priests to neglect their God-given responsibilities and, this is now, to care, responsibilities to care for the temple and for the service of worship. Every local church needs money to operate. Amen? And every Christian has a financial responsibility to the local church they attend to bring the whole tithe. Now, if you're safe, say amen. Okay, if you said amen, we come together in this time, we come together on God's day with God's people to study God's word, and we ought to bring with us God's tithe. If Cry Out Christian Fellowship is your church, then you need to tithe here. If this is your church, you need to tithe here. You tithe where you are fed. Okay, you don't eat and run. Okay, you wouldn't do that at a restaurant, would you? Hopefully you wouldn't do it, right? So don't do it here. I got to say this. Some Christians don't give 10% of their income or gripe about giving 10%, and yet they have no problem paying from 13 to 27% interest on their credit cards. Hmm? Think about it. Let, let, that, let that resonate. Okay? All right? So remember the importance of giving. Is it important? Absolutely. Number two, here we go, is relinquish control by trusting God. Relinquish control by trusting God. Look at verse 10b. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Who says it? The Lord Almighty. And I want you to understand something. This is the only place in the Old Testament where God actually invites us to test him. Okay? By the way, test means to investigate or to prove something is true. To investigate or to prove something as true. And you see, the reason why God invites us to test him is because the real issue is not money. It's trust. Say trust. And last week, and like in my, in my intro as well, I said tithing is not an issue of your finances. It's an issue of your faith. It's an issue of your trust. Listen, when we give 10% of our income to God, we're saying that we trust him to take care of us, to provide for us like he promised he would. We're, listen now, we're trusting him to enable us to live on the other 90%. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God. The what? Yeah, that includes your finances. And his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you or given to you. Okay, if you're, if you're not, listen, tithing, if you're not tithing, God is challenging you to put him to the test. Put him to the test. God's saying, God's saying, I dare you. God's saying, test me in this way to see if I really exist or not. God's saying, try it. And God's saying, let me prove it to you. Huh? Listen, he allows himself to be put on trial. 
And he didn't have to make this promise, right? He didn't have to make this promise, okay? He could have simply said, give 10% because I demand it, but he didn't. And you know why? You know why? Because he wants us to get to know him in a much deeper way. And so we ask ourselves the question, is God alive? Is he real? Does God really love me? Will he keep his promises? Well, one of the best ways to find out is to start tithing. There are three, three, excuse me, three groups of people here in this place right now. Okay, follow me now. The first one is, it's all mine. It's all mine. I worked for it. I earned it. I deserve it. I can do whatever I want with it. And when the offering bag is being passed around, the offering is being collected, they say, I can give what I want. I don't have to give what I don't want to. It's all mine. I can do whatever I want with it. That's the first group of people here in this place is it's all mine. The second group is this. Tithe belongs to God and the rest is mine. The 10% belongs to God, the 90% is mine. And they say, in obedience, I give him 10%, and with the rest, I'll do what I want to do with the rest. The third group of people here is this. It belongs, it all belongs to God. Say, it all belongs to God. And I hope that's you, okay? And they say, the tithe, 10%, and the rest, 90% of it belongs to God. I return to him what he has commanded, and he entrusts me. Listen now, he entrusts me with the rest of his money. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Just because you and I, as believers, return the tithe that doesn't give us the right to do whatever we want with the rest of the 90%. We still have to pray about every expenditure and be a good steward of all of his money. Because one day we will be judged. Someday, listen now, friends, for what we do with the 90% as well. Got it? So remember the importance of giving. Relinquish control, listen now, by trusting God. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? You have to come to a place in your Christian walk where you totally trust Him with everything, including your finances. Number three, love this, rejoice in God's blessings. Can someone, can someone please rejoice? Rejoice in God's blessings. Look at verse, verse 10c with me. And see if I will not. First of all, he says, test me in this, right? And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out, say pour out, so much blessing, say much blessing, that you will not have room enough for it. Now, now some preachers teach that our, that our return will be just money. And it, it could be money, okay, but it's more than money. I want you to follow me here. God is spiritually focused, right? If, you're, if you agree with that, say amen. And since God is spiritually focused, it will be blessings that enhance your spiritual growth in Him. It could be the healing of a loved one. It could be having a loved one accept Jesus Christ. 
It could be strength. It could be joy. It could be patience, peace. It could be contentment. Whatever God chooses to bless you with will be something that will bless his kingdom. Amen? Now, I want you to look at the text with me, okay? Let's, let's, let's look at this text. The phrase, throw open the floodgates, that phrase is used in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, where we read what happened when God started the flood, started to flood the earth with water. And there in Genesis 7, 11, listen what it says. On that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth. They burst. And, listen what it says, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. In the text, the phrase pour out, say pour out, means to make empty. To pour out there in the text means to make empty. So I want you to follow me here. When you and I, when we trust God with our giving, okay, when, when, when we give God what belongs to him, he will empty his bucket of blessings on us. Look at the text. The phrase, there's so much blessing, means that God will give us more than enough. That we'll barely be able to contain it, to stand it. Huh? Proverbs, write this down, 3, verses 9 and 10, sheds additional insight into how God rewards those who honor him with their first fruits. Let's begin the tithe. And I'm going to read it to you, okay? Because there's a promise, excuse me, there's a premise first, and there's, there's a promise. A premise, the promise. And in verse 9 of Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Okay? Well, how do you do that? With the first fruits of all your crops. Not last fruits, not spoiled fruits. First fruits. That's the premise. Now notice the promise. Then, then, say then, your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You can't have the promise unless you meet the premise. You can't have verse 10, right, until you adhere to verse 9. Got it? If you got it, say got it. And what God is saying, God is saying, I dare you to try to exhaust me with your giving. Okay, listen, you cannot outgive God. Can't. Okay, can't. It's fun trying to, but you can't. Right? Now, now notice Notice, God not only blesses, not only blesses the obedient giver, but he also protects their blessings. Look at verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will cast their fruit. In other words, they will not shrivel away before they ripen, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, when, when, when God sees that you're serious in your giving, then he's going to get serious about blessing you and protecting your blessings. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. Number four, number four. Here we go. Others will recognize God's blessings in my life. So notice the progression here. 
Remember the importance of giving. When I remember that, then I relinquish control by trusting God. When I trust God, he blesses me. I can rejoice in my blessings. And guess what? Others, listen now, when I do that, others will recognize God's blessings in my life. Isn't that awesome? Look at verse 12. Verse 12. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So what God is saying to Israel in the text, if you honor me with your giving, you'll be so blessed that the surrounding nations will stand up and take notice of what I'm doing in your life. (laughs) You see, the blessing spreads so that others recognize the uniqueness, the uniqueness of God's hand on his faithful people. You're going to be a witness not only to the unsaved, but also to the saved. Yeah? It's going to attract them to God as they see his blessings upon your life. Okay, you will be, this is, excuse me, you will have, you will have a reputation of being God-favored. And you know what? People who are God-favored are givers. They give what rightfully belongs to God. Got it? Okay. Seven, I mean, excuse me, four essential things there in Malachi. Now I want to give you seven principles for financial freedom. Are you okay with that? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Very simple, very practical. Number one is keep good records. Keep good records. Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. So in other words, you need to know what's coming in and what's going out. Got it? Keep good records, okay, on your income and your spending. You need to know this, okay? What I own, what I owe, what I earn, and this is now where it goes. I'm going to say it again. What I own, what I owe, what I earn, and where it goes. One more time. What I own, what I owe, what I earn, and where it goes. That's how I keep good records. Okay? Say, keep good records. Say that. Number two, simple, plan. Say that. Plan. Proverbs 21, 5 from the Good News Bible renders it like this. Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Listen, friends, our finances, okay, is not just based on how much we earn, rather on how much we spend, how we spend it. It's budgeting. It's planning your spending, And I want to tell you, if you keep spending impulsively, you're never going to get ahead, never going to get ahead in your finances. This is why you need to budget. Say budget. And I've said this many times as your pastor. Budgeting, budgeting is telling your money where you want it to go instead of wondering where it went. Almost said again, okay? It's telling your money where you want it to go Telling your money where you want it to go instead of wondering where it went. That's budgeting. So how do I do that? Glad you asked. Here we go. Here we go. 
fill in the blank, evaluate any purchases based on needs. Evaluate any purchases based on needs. Not greeds, not wants, on needs. And God has promised to provide for our needs, not our greeds. Can I get amen? Philippians 4.19, right? God will supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So when you're going to purchase something, okay, when you're going to purchase something, you need to ask yourself, is this a want or is this a need? Is this a want or is this a need? So evaluate any purchases based on needs. The next thing is this. Don't use money that is planned for other expenditures. Don't use money that is planned for other expenditures. If you plan to spend your money on a specific need, whatever need it is, a specific need, then don't spend it on something else. Got it? Don't spend it on something else. Plan and stick to your plan. Don't take from here to pay this when you already have something here to pay for that. Got it? The next one, never make a financial decision. This is important under pressure. Never, never, never make a financial decision under pressure. A pressured financial decision will later bring regret. And whenever you have to make, listen, a major decision, pray, pray about it. Take it to prayer or get some advice. Get some advice, okay? And don't get advice from someone who, who's in debt, okay? All right? Okay? Get some advice from someone who knows how to handle their finances. Got it? So never, never make a financial decision under pressure. And then here we go. I love this one. Don't be afraid to trim the budget. Don't be afraid to trim the budget. And I want to tell you, it might be time. It might be time for some of you, listen, to make some budget cuts in your life. Why it's so quiet? Huh? All right? Okay? You can save money by canceling your cable. What? Huh? Or eating out less. Or how about this? Shopping at discount clothing stores such as Ross. Might have one pant leg longer than the other, but it's all good. Or shopping at a grocery store outlet. Huh? There's one right down the street on Burnell. My wife and I went there. We purchased about $100 worth of groceries. Came out to $45. It works. It works. Okay? How about this? Okay? Buy Starbucks once a week rather than five days a week. And let me ask you this. Do you really, really, do you really, really need the iPhone 11? Really? Huh? No. No. Some of you need to cut. But I want to say this. Remember that your budget cuts are only temporary. And that's the awesome thing, friends. You can always make adjustments later down the road. Got it? Okay. So keep good records. Plan number three is pay off my debts. Pay off my debts. If you're getting the same in, listen, when you are in debt, you become a slave. You're in financial bondage. Proverbs 22, 7b says the borrow, the borrowers, borrower, excuse me, is a servant to the lender. So I don't know who you owe, but whoever you owe, pay them off. 
That should be a priority in your life. It's to pay off your debts. If you're spending money over here and not paying off your debts, there's something wrong. That's unhealthy. The priority should be to pay off my debts. Can I get amen? Number four, and I love this one, I love this one. Be content and quit the comparisons. Be content and quit the comparisons. Do you realize that you have much more than you realize? We do. We have much more than we realize. Don't, don't compare your situation to anyone else's. Comparison will not only rob you of your joy, it will rob you of your paycheck. Huh? See, we don't have a problem until we see someone else with something bigger, nicer, right? And we get all messed up. You ever go to someone's nice home and then go back to your shack? Huh? You're like, man, I got to buy this to, you know, I got to keep up with these people. Friends, listen now, we, we, we buy stuff we don't need with money we really don't have to impress people we don't even like. But we get all messed up when we compare ourselves to others. Right? Be content with what you have. You don't need a bigger TV. You don't. Really, you don't. Be content with what you have. Are you guys with me? Five, save. Say save. Proverbs 21, 20, the Living Bible says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. The wise man saves for the future. But the foolish man spends whatever he gets. I want to tell you, it is not unscriptural to save. It's not. Saving is the opposite of borrowing money. Hey, hey God wants us to be the lenders, not the borrowers. And, and the wonderful thing about saving money is that it will allow you to purchase things with cash. So there'll be no need to put it on credit. No interest. You got it, so you got it. Number six, be generous. Be generous. I love this point, be generous. Proverbs 11, verses 24 to 25 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. God blesses those who are generous. He does. And I got to tell you, there is no better feeling, friends, than giving. It's amazing. And I have wonderful parents who taught me how to be generous, taught me how to give. And I want to guarantee you, friends, listen now, guarantee you, God will give back to you. Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1 through 2a says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes, to eight. You're not throwing away your money when you bless someone who has a legitimate need. The Bible sees it as an investment. And again, I want to thank my mom, my dad. My dad's in heaven. My mom's here. Mom, thank you so much for teaching me how to be a generous giver. 
You guys are an amazing example. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Daddy. Number seven is tithe. Tithe. Say that. Now, Proverbs Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Back to that. Back to that. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your wealth. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing with your vats. Your vats will brim over with new wine. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He who sows sparingly will also, what? Reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. I'm going to say this right now. If you are cheap, cheap with God, God will be cheap with you. Are you with me? He'll be cheap with you. God is faithful to bless when we are faithful to obey. Okay? And if you sow bountifully, God will bless you abundantly. So now that we're talking about tithing, real quickly here, three things about tithing. Tithing is a good reminder of who's in charge of my life. Tithing is a good reminder of who's in charge of my life. When I give 10%, it's a way to be reminded that God, go, that God, excuse me, God owns everything that I have. When giving to God, I'm just taking my hands off what belongs to him in the first place. And what I'm doing, I'm transferring, say transferring, ownership to him. God is the source of all that I have. He controls all that I have. And guess what? He doesn't need what I have. But listen now, but God blesses us. And he graciously, this graciously defers the management to you and me. That's awesome. Didn't have to, but he does that. Listen, my use of money, my use of money shows, listen now, shows, my use of money shows what I think of God. Because my giving is a thermometer of my love for him. It's a demonstration, it's a demonstration that he's number one in my life. So tithing is a good reminder of who's in charge of my life. Also, tithing should be punctual, personal, and proportional. Punctual, on time. It could be once a week, twice a week, or a month. Depends on your pay period. But be punctual. Also personal. From your heart. And when you give from your heart, give. Make sure you're giving with a cheerful heart. Personal. And then proportional. God's, got to get this, God's provision dictates your proportion. God's provision on your life dictates your proportion. As God continues to bless you more and more, you give more and more. If you got it, say got it. And you'll find this all in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Don't have time to, uh, to elaborate on that. And then finally, tithing is a declaration that I am trusting God to take care of my needs. It's a declaration. A declaration that I am trusting God to take care of my needs. If you got it, say got it. So question, what does the way you use your money, 
What does the way you use your money express about your devotion and your commitment to God? Think about that. We'll say it one more time. What does the way, what does the way you use your money express about your devotion and commitment to God? Now, as I come to a close here, I want to challenge each one of you to do something. Okay? To do something. I want to challenge each one of you to put God to the test. He said to, right? So put God to the test. And so I want you to tithe a full 10% for the next two paychecks. And then I want you to tell me how you really didn't go broke. And how God blessed you with everything you needed. Put him to the test. He's challenging you and I to put him to the test. And when you accept that and put him to the test, he will blow your mind. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you.